No, I don't believe that Donald Trump is omniscient. And I'm not even sure he's a Christian. Now, what I mean by that is I believe he probably has fundamental Christian beliefs, but I'm not sure he has been born again. Um, but that's a whole other story. I believe God is using him. And whether or not he's saved or will be saved is, will be up to God ultimately, obviously. But it's uncanny, is it not, how he seems to know ahead of time what's going to take place politically and in the seasons that we're in pertaining to his involvement at least, he seems to have sources or resources that he refers to uh, without giving names. He just has this knack for knowing what's going to happen, it seems. Maybe that's why he's a good businessman. Maybe he's able to read people and read between the lines and hear things that are said that are indicative of things below the surface. So here we are again with this raid on Mar-a-Lago. Let me uh, read a scripture to you. Since this is the prophetic angle, and this is Pastor Rick Bowen, and I'm glad you've tuned back in. And we're going to talk about the raid. Now, you thought, you thought that raid was a bug spray, right? Yeah. And you had no idea, because it's never been done before. I don't think it's ever been done before that the FBI has raided a president or a former president's residence. So this is unprecedented. What's going on? There is a backlash, major backlash is taking place right now. So let's probe this topic a little bit and see if we can come up with some things that might help us fit it into the trajectory of the events that have been taking place one right after the other. And by the way, look for them to pick up considerably because this was an act of desperation. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But if I read... In the Bible, here, there is a place here in the book of Matthew. But know this, this is Matthew 24, 43. Ironically, this is the Olivet Discourse that we're reading from, which is uh, an eschatological reference, study of last things. Jesus said, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief could, would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now that's, that's interesting right there. Therefore, he says in the next verse, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus is using an analogy here that some might wonder why he would be using the thief as an analogy for his coming. But his whole point here is his coming would be unexpected. That's, that's the point he's making. Because the thief, the actual thief, is the devil. That's John 10, 
9 and 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So Jesus is basically saying, when I come, uh, if you're not watching, you're not going to know because it's going to be like a thief in the night, and that's why there's movies and books written about the parousia or the second coming that, or the rapture that talk about it as a thief in the night. But if we look a little closer at the analogy, if we look at the uh, figure of a thief breaking in, Jesus is saying that when it comes to a thief, people don't just allow that to happen. If they know it's going to happen, they make provisions. They watch the house. They don't allow it to be broken into. Now, here's something that's... um, Ironic, because President Trump was not even there. So that makes what was done even more criminal, that they would uh, come in with a warrant. My understanding is they didn't show, the FBI did not show the warrant to the lawyers uh, any closer than, say, 10 feet from a distance. So they couldn't really tell what it said. And then they made the lawyers leave the house, and they asked them to turn off the cameras, which they did not do. So what was the FBI doing there and why? And why were they doing something that's totally unconstitutional? Well, that's what they've been doing. This administration or this regime has been unconstitutional from the get-go because they did steal the election. And so the Justice Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigations is part of the federal government. Obviously, they're part of the uh, Justice Department of the executive branch to execute the law that Congress passes. And then, of course, the judicial branch is to judge if an infraction or if a behavior is against the law. So they, they decide whether or not a behavior is constitutional or unconstitutional, in a nutshell. So the FBI basically is the thief here. They break into a house. They go through Melania's wardrobe. They go places they're not supposed to go, according to the cameras. They, they go and either retrieve or get the, these, I think, 15 boxes of papers that uh, Trump took with him when he left the White House. Apparently, all presidents take records and uh, things with them when they leave the White House. And I don't know about all the legalities of that, uh, what the laws say, but apparently it's permissible, at least to a certain extent. Now, the the weird thing is that Trump had been cooperating with the Justice Department heretofore about these records. Apparently they had been in months ago and seen these records, been able to look through them, find out what was there, and he was very cooperative and he was even present. So now they're back. So it seems that the tale that's being born is that somebody from inside um, gave some information, right or wrong, to the FBI that that they used as justification to go into Mar-a-Lago while Trump was not even there. And uh, I, I think it was around 30 agents 
anyway, a number of agents that went in. And uh, the judge that signed off on this was the judge that had made a snarky remark about Trump, I think, in 2017. He also was a judge that was the uh, lawyer for some of Epstein's employees, Jeffrey Epstein's employees. So obviously he's suspect. Biden claims he didn't know about it. We know that's not right. We know that's not true. And if it is true, it's still uh, an egregious uh, infraction of somebody's rights as a citizen, let alone uh, a former president. Okay, so this is going to backfire big time on the FBI. The FBI and the other three-letter agencies are already in a position of suspicion, and uh, they're tainted and stained with dishonesty and overreach, and it just has been escalating over the past several years, especially since President Trump ran for office, became a president, and since he has exited the Oval Office for the time being, this mark of stench has so stigmatized three-letter agencies, including the FBI, that many or I say many, a number are calling for the complete disbanding of these agencies. It, it's been pointed out that Ron Paul had something to say about the FBI a number of years ago, I think about the time he was a candidate for president. And of course, a lot of us looked at Ron Paul like he was some kind of a fruitcake. But now some of the things he said are beginning to resonate in a more... Uh, impactful way, at least with me. I'm sure there are things he says that I don't agree with, but um, the things he said then are starting to resonate because we're seeing them play out in certain ways. It comes to come to find out that the FBI and then later the CIA, they're not that old uh, of entities. I think the, uh, the FBI is considerably older than the CIA, but the CIA is is not old either. We're talking about maybe a century's worth of history, less than a century with the CIA. So uh, here was a grave uh, trespass, thief thievery, if you please. What did they, what did they take? Well, they took they took some dignity. They took some. Um, so it's like something is stolen that's kind of intangible when it comes to materialism. But when somebody breaks into your house, the principle of it, they stole your rights, they stole your freedom, at least for the time being, and then tried to smear you by not only what they did, but what they may have retrieved to uh, twist and tangle up in the reporting of it, and that's what the news media's job is, to, as we, we shall see. So, obviously, the liberal news media, the mainstream media, thought this was just a great thing. They finally got Trump after all these years and all these impeachments and everything else. When he comes through with flying colors, they finally got him. We know there's got to be something. There's still got to be something. There's got to be something. And then there's nothing. Well, what they've done, they've actually turned the spotlight on how corrupt they are, and even some of their own, the Democrats... When Andrew Cuomo calls them out, 
Before Mitch McConnell, by the way, talk about a rhino. I'm, di I'm just about sick and tired of Mitch McConnell. And we need to get these people out of office that's been in there forever that aren't doing anything but drawing a paycheck and they're not doing anything for their constituency except what they need to do in a convenient way so that they can stay in office and hold on to power. Basically, controlled opposition, if that. So, um, I, th I think this is what you're going to see going forward, that the proverbial storm that some have been projecting and forecasting is underway. And uh, I think the lightning will flash and the thunder will crash and the clouds will roll and the rain will come and the waters will flow and the information will come out. And uh, it's going to be, for a while, it's going to be muddy. It's going to be muddy because there's going to be so much spewing of venom and uh, animosity and even truth but truth of course will purge out ultimately will purge out all this pollution that is in the atmosphere of our understanding and of our perception and our purview it's going to it's going to eventually purge it out but first there's this swirling of uh, tumult that is upon us uh, they, they, with all their might, are trying to keep Trump from running again in 2024, which I don't even believe personally that that is the primary goal. Now, whether or not the primary goal will work out because this is a cosmic chess game and the other side is playing vehemently and viciously, they are um, violently playing their pieces they are trying everything they can because they know they're caught. They know they're caught, but they got the power right now. See, that's the thing. They have the power, they think anyway. They've got the political power right now. They've got the media power right now. They've got the academic power right now. They have the power of the corporations, big tech. They have the power right now. So they're wielding that power in such a, a violent way that desperation is becoming obvious. Because they know that when they lose the power, it's going to turn on them. It's going to boomerang. It's going to change. The justice that doesn't seem to be being served right now will ultimately be served. And they are afraid of it because they know they're guilty. Now, when I say they, it's a generalization. There are those that are perpetrators. There's those that are the conspirators. And then there's the useful idiots. And sometimes the useful idiots just want to get a paycheck. They just want to keep their family safe. They just want to be left alone so they go along with the flow. Or they don't even really know the extent of what their particular role is and how it plays into the bigger picture. And so they go ahead about their business, uh, sometimes from a standpoint of ignorance or a standpoint of uh, stupidity. Uh, they just keep on going. But there are those brave souls that stand up and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And you have people like uh, Ivory Hecker, I believe, who was once working for Fox, a uh, local Fox affiliate, I believe, in Houston. She decided, I'm just not going to be a part of the mainstream media anymore. You know, you have others that they leave the mainstream media. They find an alternative way of being a journalist or being a broadcaster or, uh, or just being involved in, uh, you know, speaking out for truth and against evil. 
And uh, thank God for them. Thank God for these doctors, these frontline doctors. Thank God for these doctors that say, you know what? Uh, Cause no harm. I'm standing by my Hippocratic oath, and I am more concerned about the patient than the hierarchy that I have been a part of, yea, these many years, come what may. And I could call names, and you know some of them. And thank God for them, because uh, we're able to, some of us were able to survive because we're listening to people that make sense and listening to people that are telling us the truth instead of the uh, narrative that has been perpetrated from the bowels of hell. Yeah. So, anyway, let me read you another passage of Scripture, Psalm 24, 15. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. Wow. So that's what we have right now. We have wicked people plundering the righteous and their dwelling place and their resting place. Notice verse 16 of uh, Psalm 24 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Again. That's the thing about a righteous man is he's going to get back up. He's resilient. He's buoyant. (laughs) And uh, when I say righteous here, we're not talking about uh, Trump being sinless or you or me um, being perfect. We're talking about people that have a righteous pursuit. As long as truth is on your side, as long as God is on your side, you may get knocked for a loop, but you're not going to be utterly cast down as the way Paul says it in the New Testament. You're going to get back up again. That's what Donald Trump has been doing, and I anticipate that's going to happen here. He's, he may have been knocked for a loop, as it were, but he's going to get back up again. But then the Bible says, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. The wicked shall fall by calamity. And uh, there's more to be said here. And uh, I have to stop and explain everything. And it might take too long for this podcast. Uh, and we might get off track a little bit. But anyway, verse 19, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. For there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin those two can bring, you know. So, of course, we're supposed to be careful about how we um, view and react when people fall. Uh, Obviously, if there's redemption in the picture, we should hope that redemption can be offered and received. But, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to keep the right viewpoint when you have been oppressed for so long and finally you're relieved. You do want to rejoice a little bit, but you need to be careful um, how that overwhelming emotion is manifested, I guess is the best way to say it, without getting into this part too uh, deeply. But back to the raid. This raid... uh, of these documents, supposedly some classified documents, uh, from what I have understood, had already been declassified. And, uh, you know, Cash Patel said he was going to go down to the archives, the National Archives, and he was going to release some of these uh, 
declassified documents that had been kind of stashed away and hidden from public eyes and ears. And he was going to begin to unleash those or put them out there where they'd be more visible and uh, bring the truth to, to bear upon these people and upon what has been happening to the American public. Now, here's something before I quit that I want you to think about, because like I started off with, Donald Trump is not omniscient. But if he, if you go back to my podcast on the sting, if he was requested by people in the know, these highly sophisticated uh, people that are into surveillance, espionage, um, maybe that's not the right term, but they're in the know. They know what's going on in the classified realm. They know what's going on behind the scenes. They know about the depth of the corruption. They know who is and who isn't. And yet they're in a position where they have leverage, but not enough leverage to do anything by themselves without bringing certain utilitarian and strategic people into certain slots of effectiveness, i.e. the presidency or the judge of this circuit or this or that. Now, if that's the case, and I think it is, at least partially, then um, the grapevine in those areas exists, and there are people that will share information that was found out in a very discreet way without necessarily leaking it to those that have the power to make a change or an adjustment. So this cosmic chess match is not because someone is willy-nilly, arbitrarily, randomly making a move. No, they have some particular criteria from which the move is being made. So back to Trump. That's, that's where I believe he is. He has some little birdies that let him know what he needs to do way ahead of time, not just his own personal ability to read what's going on and make a move ahead, but actually got people that are positioned in very calculated strategic spots that are able to share information with him. Of course, I'm not saying that God himself could not somehow uh, impress upon him or give him the ability to ascertain certain things. So, as I conclude, let me point out that when somebody has that kind of knowledge and that kind of resources, they can make a plan that would include uh, counterintuitive movements so that what it looks like is not what is happening at all. I mean, it may look at, in this whole podcast, I've said this is an pretty much said this is an adversity that's going to backfire. And it is, it is. I definitely believe that. But on the other hand, there is another aspect of it that I think is important to at least consider. And that is that if one knows that something's going to happen and then arranges it where it can happen so that it will accomplish an objective that it will accomplish, but but the person that is supposed to be against is actually cooperating in some way with the plan of the enemy, the enemy not knowing that that person is thinking ahead of them 
and the enemy winds up trapping themselves. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I tried to say it slow enough to where a person, it's like in chess, you know, you you have played chess enough to think four or five moves ahead, but then you don't only think four or five moves ahead, you're thinking about that other person. You know about their technique, you know about their strategy, you know about their experience, you know about their history. You know about uh, some of the moves they make given certain options they have. Then you include that in your thoughts and the moves you're about to make. And I guess the reason why, other than everything I'm seeing that I can't explain all in this one podcast, everything I'm seeing that, that I believe that is because Not only do I have that sense in my spirit that everything's going to be all right. This is not the end yet. And there's things are going to get worse before they get better in some ways, that's for sure. Some people are just not ready for all this. They're not. The only way to get ready is to get close to God. That's the only way. That's the only way to get ready. Be ready. Watch and pray. But I have this sense of peace, and I also am watching the behavior of Donald Trump. He does not act like... Any of these things are intimidating him. And that leads me to believe that he feels very secure in the trajectory of his movements and what's going to happen in the fallout of each and everything that comes along. He feels very secure. He feels, in spite of all the persecution of his family, in spite of all the things that have happened, it's been it's been horrible. But he's not acting like it's affecting him adversely now that's just if it's not a miracle it's close it it i mean something's either a miracle or not okay but that is a phenomenal thing even if it's not a miracle because frankly he's looking younger a lot of times he's looking younger and more effervescent than ever and kind of brazen and i'm not necessarily agreeing with every kind of way certainly don't agree with every kind of way he expresses himself because I certainly hate the cussing. I just don't think that's necessary. But I will say this. He doesn't seem to be shaken, which, which leads me to believe that he knows what the outcome's going to be. And he knows some of the moves ahead and, and about when, given certain, not necessarily a date or a time that certain moves are made from his side of the chessboard, but the kinds of moves that will happen given the moves of the other side. So that's why some people say you're watching a movie, get the popcorn. I don't know if we should be that cavalier about it. I think we should be more vigilant and um, given to prayer Uh, because I don't think anything's automatic here. I think, like I told somebody today, it's not fatalism. It's God saying, I want to use you in this process. So where will you be in this process? Are you going to be an intercessor? Do you want to have revival? Do you want to have peace for a while so you can live your life, get your loved ones in? Uh, what do you want? Do you, do you want this to culminate in a horrible, horrible situation for this world? ASAP, or do you want a reprieve or a revival or a time of growth for the church, for your family? 
So what is your role? And you need to ask yourself that. And I believe the Holy Ghost will show you. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for those that's tuned in and stayed with me all the way to the end of this podcast. And I pray that you'd show them what their role is today. As we've talked about the raid on Mar-a-Lago and how it plays into the trajectory of the things that have recently occurred and what's about to happen. And with excitement, we look to see your right arm revealed in the name of our God, given glory in this hour with great miraculous manifestations of the power of God. Thank you for deliverance and salvation today in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.